Okay, we are in Sefer Yonah, Perek Aleph, Hasuk Aleph, Vayihidavar Hashem El Yonah ben Amitai. And as promised, this is the Sefer of undoubtedly the most reluctant Navi in our history, arguably one of the most famous Navim. So much so that we read the entire Sefer Yonah, which is basically for Prakim. We read it in its entirety on Yom Kippur as the Mafter for Mincha. And we will see the reasons why. And there is a wealth of material of Mepharshim and Midrashim on Yonah that we can possibly cover them completely. So let's dive in uh, as best we can. Who was Yonah to start with? Yonah ben Amitai, interestingly enough, is mentioned back in Malachim Beis with, uh, in connection with the Nevoah to Yeruvam ben Yehoash, not Yeruvam ben Nevat, Yeruvam ben Yehoash, one of the kings, and the Navi just says, Asher Giber, Biyad Avadav, Yonah ben Amitai Hanavi. That's the only other reference to Yonah in the, um, in the Navi itself. We know from there that he was born in Amek Hefer, that valley in the central part of Israel. But that leaves the question that uncharacteristically, they never mention what Shevet he came from. So it could be from um, Asher or Zebulun. There's arguments on both sides with the consensus being it could be that his father was Usher, his mother was Zavulan, but he was from one of those two Shvatim. And we know from Medrash that the call to Nebuah came to him when he was in the Beit HaMikdash during a Simchas Beis HaShoeva. That was the festival you hold each night of Cholamoed in Sukkot. They used to do it in the Beis uh, HaMikdash. We still do it today. It's a very celebratory uh, occasion. And from this we know and we learn that one of the prerequisites of a Navi, the Medrash tells us, is he be besimcha, he be in joy. And so what better occasion than to be called at a simcha space hashoeva. So he is called to prophecy. So question asked by the Radak is why is this in Kisve Kodesh, this Nebuah itself? Basically, as we're going to see, the Kodesh Baruch who summons Yonah to go to the city of Nineveh, which is the capital uh, city of Ashur, a Syria foreign country, which even then was at war with B'nai Israel, and ultimately, through Sancheret, will destroy the ten tribes and send them into an exile from which they have never returned. So why are we dispatching him to Nineveh? And he does not want to go. We will come to that. So the question is, is uh, the Radak says, why? Why, are we, uh, why is this in here in the first place? And he gives three shots in 
First one is what a Musa it is, what a tremendous lesson in Musa to Eretz Yisrael. Because here, you're gonna go to a foreign nation, an idolatrous nation that is an enemy of Israel, and within 30 days of a message to return, to do tshuva, they all, as if one man, do tshuva. And you contrast this with B'nai Yisrael, who for centuries, we have been sending Nevi'im, as it were, to tell them to do tshuva and they have not responded. It's a tremendous muscle lesson that this foreign nation does it. To the Radak says it's a very miracle involved, as we're gonna see, of being swallowed and surviving for three days in the belly of a, a giant whale. And three, a beautiful indication of the compassion that Kaddish Baruch Hu has for Balei Tshuva, wherever they are, whatever nation they belong to, and that was the concern of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Billy, what constitutes Tshuva for non-Jews? It depends on what they're telling them, uh, and we will see. You can fine-tune it, as they did here, as we're gonna see, Avodah Zorah isn't the concern of the Kaddish Baruch Hu here. It's Hamas, but let's, let's get to that. So that comes to the next question. Why does Hashem want him to go to Nineveh? So one, the mob is it's Hamas. Hamas is, as we have said before, that kind of chiseling of one another the stealing, the petty thievery that goes on when you um, adjust the weights of the scale. You uh, change the coin of exchange. You give a, a incorrect change. Hamas, it's a penny anti-chiseling that the Torah maintains can absolutely tear apart the fabric of a society, totally unravel it. We saw it in the Dor Hamabu. That's why the Kodesh Baruch Hu brings the flood, Aretz Malei Hamas. We saw it in Stone and Gemara, that that's what they did to each other. That's what they were doing here. So in answer to your question, the Kodesh Baruch Hu wasn't concerned here that Vodah Zorah. Uh, hey, they, they are who they are. It's not Avodah Zorah, but Hamus is something that unravels the whole society. The second, the Malbin gives us a fascinating shot in his reasoning. Because we know Ashur is ultimately the instrument of the Kaddish Baruch Hu in bringing down the ten tribes. In order to bring them down, the Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't want any non-entity being the instrument of his uh, judgment. He wants somebody that's literally a worthy adversary. So the, according to the Malbin, he is building up Ashur, that they be said to be, oh, it's Ashur, a very worthy rod of punishment for B'nai Israel. Very interesting shot. So now, why doesn't Yonah want to go? Why is he so obdurate that he will not go. Malbin says he knows the shlichus, this messenger is going to work. They're going to do tshuva. And he thinks it's a terrible busha, which it is to B'nai Israel. In other words, a fact, 
he comes in within 30 days they've done tshuva and B'nai Yisrael doesn't do it he thinks he feels it internally that this is such an embarrassment to B'nai Yisrael so he doesn't want any part of it now the question is we have a call in the Medrash that says Misa. If you suppress your nevuah when you are told to be misnabe, you are chayav misa. So the question is, why does the Kaddish Baruch Hu stick with Yonah? Let him not go, let him get killed, get me another navi. Because Yonah's intense love and caring for Israel, and we're going to see how intense it really is, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu feels that he is the right man despite the fact that he doesn't want to go and then doesn't be, uh, and is not punished for it as it were, or certainly not killed. Um, some say he's not killed because at the time he was sent, he may not have known the actual Nebuah. So in any case, that would be leading up to Yonah, and let's dive in as it were. Pasuk begins by ben Amitai comes to Yonah, says, Kum, Lech el Ninveh. Ninveh is the capital city of Assyria, 120,000 people strong. Ha'ir Hagdola, the large city, Ukra Aleha, and call to it, Ki also their evil has come up to me and as we've said the overwhelming authorities claim the evil they're doing is not about Azara because they are who they are it is Hamas it is as we say that thievery that petty thievery of one another that unravels the thread of a society by Yakom Yonah live Roach as we see Yonah does not want to go. He gets up and he flees Tarshisha to the city of Tarshish. Tarshish is as far west as you can get from Ninveh, which is far east. He is getting out of there, Milifne Hashem, and his thinking is, it's faulty, but his thinking is that the, he's getting out of the country. The Shriya Shechina does not govern Chutz Yisrael, and that therefore he is safe from the wrath of the Kaddish Baruch As we're going to see, he's totally wrong. But in any case, his intention is to flee to Tarshish as far as he can get from Ninveh, Milifnei Hashem, he goes to Yafo, which is the port city of Eretz Yisrael. And sure enough, there's a boat about to sail to Tarshish. And he gives its value. He gives it the money. And the Mephorshim tell us, Rashi says, Hiktim say Sara, he paid in advance, and the Ain Derech Yorde Hayam Lose Sraharasina Adsha Eight Hayitsiya. Till the boat leaves, you didn't pay your boat fare. But what he did, says Rashi, who Hikdim below old Eloshanasan Sar Kula. So anxious was he to get out. He paid in advance, and he paid for everybody on that ship. It's as if he chartered the boat. And from this, we draw from the Medrash 
that one of the prerequisites of a Nevoa, we've had this before, of a Navi, is that he be personally wealthy. The Navi should have wealth. It gave him respect and honor and credibility. And obviously, Yonah had that wealth. So he pays for the entire boat. So, the Kaddish Baruch sends a giant tempestuous storm on the sea by Hisar Gadol Bayam. He repeats it was just unimaginably severe and fierce. And the boat appeared, uh, as Rashi says, Kidmeit It looked like it was going to capsize any second. And Mlachim here means the sailors. They were terrified. By Izaku Ish El Elohav, they each one to his own God. By Yaklu Es Hakelim Asher El Hayam, and what they did was each pray to their own God. Rashi says that on that ship, believe it or not, were representatives of the seventy nations. Each one with its own Abodazara, its own icon, and they prayed each one to its own. And then when it didn't work by Yitluas Hakalim, they threw overboard ostensibly to lighten the load of the boat. The Kalim and some say, seeing that their Avodazara, their icons were futile, they threw them over. to make passage easier. The Yona Yorad and Yarkase Hasvina by Yishkov by Yoridane. Yona goes down to his lower berth and falls to sleep. In other words, while all this is going on, he falls asleep at the bottom of the boat. Um, Yordane is uh, stronger than a uh, sleep. There's Yeshena and there's drama, as we're going to see. Mayor Yeshenim and Mekis Nirdomim. And we're going to have a Yikrave love, Rav Hachovel, the captain, sees he's not there, goes down by Yomer love. Malachar Nirdom, what are you sleeping about? Come, cry, Elelokecha, call to your God, Ulai is Asay Shalahim Lanu Belonove. Perhaps your God can do something and they will not be lost. And the Mephorshim point out, and we've seen it, it is a phenomenal Aseris Yemei Tshuva Drusha that the Navi says, Malacha Mirdam, why are you all sleeping? To Bnei Israel, come, get up, call out now, to your God, and that's what the captain is saying. And we judge from there, may you shame him, that you stir from sleep, which is a lesser form of sleep, that applies to Rosh Hashanah. Make it near Dhamim, a deeper is Yom Kippur. So they summon Yona up, and so they say each to his companion, let us cast lots. Notice lots in the plural. We will know what the cause of this evil. They do and it falls on Yona. So explanation. Why a goro, a lottery? 
because, as the Mephorshim say, Rashi says, Ro'im hayu sh'or They see the rest of the boats in the sea. Hochos bayam b'sholom. You're going very well. It's tranquil, the rest of the boats. They are singularly noticeable because they are in a life and death tempest storm. So they wanted a goro. They do multiple goros to be sure of the answer, and each time by Yipol Hagoro of Yona. By Yomarela, and they say to him, Hagidona, tell us, whose fault is this evil that has come upon us? They ask him four questions. What is the nature of your work? Where are you going? What is your land? And from what nation are you? He says, I am an Ivri. He uses that term, which from a fortune say, it really answers basically those four questions. I fear the God of the heavens, who created both the sea and dry land. And this is very critical because from a fortune tell us, not even the worst nations of Avodah Zorah disputed the fact that the Kaddish Baruch, the God of Israel, controlled the seas. They make no claim, but the earth is where their Avodah Zorah comes in. Here he's saying, my Kaddish Baruch is both. It's the sea and the land. They have a terrible fear. What is this that you have done? They know he has probably told them that he is fleeing from the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It says, because he has told them. What should we do to you? That the sea will be silenced. It was getting, if you can believe it, worse with each passing second. Throw me to the sea. Now, it's interesting that even at this point, Jonas will not say, okay, I will do the bidding of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. I will make this prophecy and hopefully the sea will quiet down. No, he'd rather die than go to Nineveh. And apparently, Mephoshim say, he has overheard them say that that's what they're going to have to do. So his suggestion conforms with what they have been talking about. The tempest, the storm is my fault, this huge tempest that has come upon you. And in truth, what they tried to do, they didn't want to throw him over. They, they saw the man's holiness. Kaddish Baruch was making such a storm. This must be a very important Navi. So they're seeking Vayach to rule. They want to make tunnel out, make a U-turn, avoid this. To turn to dry land. They can't. It's just increasing in ferocity and intensity. And they call to God. 
They, El Nefesh or Ishazel, we do not want to be held responsible for the death of this man. We are doing this. You are the Kaddish Baruch What you wish we will do, which shows us some of the say one of the biggest miracles here is not as we're going to see the tshuva of Ninveh, the tshuva of others, the tshuva of these sailors. They have done, as we will see, complete tshuva. They now believe completely. And they cast Yonah down into the sea and instantaneously the sea stops from its storm. They fear a terrible fear as of Hashem. They make sacrifices to the Kaddish Baruch and as we point out, they couldn't really do sacrifices. Radak um, says, How did they do Svina? Ella Perusho, that they said, uh, they would give it, uh, etc. And they did Nadarim. They made Nadarim before the Kaddish Baruch Hu, that they would give, Radak says, Tzitka La'aniyim. They would do Tzitka La'aniyim. Some say they would follow Torah. But they repent. They make Nadarim to the Kaddish Baruch Hu. Says Rashi, that they are converted. That's it. They have seen the miracle of the Kaddish Baruch Hu. And so we see the storm abate. Yonah is cast into the sea. And the next phase of what happens to him is nothing short of miraculous. You will not want to miss this 8.45 a.m. tomorrow at Cannes.